Good morning, Wisconsin. So let's pour that coffee and talk to some experts about what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Here's your host, Steve Scafidi. Should we talk about the government? Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. I am Steve Scafidi, of course. My guest, James Wigerson. Let's start with this story. We, we talk about politics on this show. And it's an interesting story from the perspective of, you know, we have so many crazy things happening in politics. Well, the, the folks in Brown County, their Lincoln Day dinner, which is a popular event, been held for years around the country. They're inviting Marjorie Taylor Greene. Your thoughts, James Wigerson? <laughs> yeah, so the, the invitation to Marjorie Taylor Greene to come speak at their Lincoln-Reagan Day dinner is, is a sign of the, just how far the Republican Party has changed in the last dozen years. Uh, in the past, they would have brought in a prominent speaker or two, and, and they would have addressed national issues, and they would, and it would have been a, a big ticket event up there, and they would have had a good fundraiser. But now they've gone for the full crazy. They've gone for the person that they know will sell a lot of tickets because the people in the seats are going to be there just to hear her say something completely off the wall, something completely crazy that is outside of the mainstream. And Marjorie Taylor Greene is, to put it mildly, it's not a nice person. Uh, she has uh, made threatening remarks about her colleagues. She has talked about Jewish space lasers. I mean, she's a definite anti-Semite. <laughs> and she's made racial remarks. She uh, she is the epitome of paranoid republicanism right now. And for them to bring her in, and they're going to put her on the same stage with Eric Hovde, the leading candidate for, for the Republican Party for the U.S. Senate, they're going to put them side by side up there on that stage, and you just wonder what the heck they were thinking. And, James, is, is publicity and attention that important? I know a lot of folks in Broward County, good, decent, honest Republicans, who can't be happy about this, but yet here we are talking about bringing in sort of a cartoon character when it comes to politics into a, a community that's, that's known for a lot of great things, and then we have this. Well, part of it is, is the, the attention factor, right? And she's going to generate a lot of buzz, a lot of attention. And that's going to help sell tickets. But part of it is there's a significant faction within the Republican Party that thinks that Marjorie Taylor Greene is right on the issues, that, that they think that this is the direction, the future direction of the Republican Party. And, and so you're appeasing that faction. And at the same time, like you said, you're generating a lot of buzz, but it's the wrong kind of buzz. And there used to be a lot of buzz when, say, a, a William F. Buckley would come to town because you never knew what Buckley was going to say. But at least you knew that what he was talking about was addressing the future of the conservative movement. Marjorie Taylor Greene could say anything. She might tell you that Donald Trump is a gift from God or something, or that uh, COVID was an invention of the CIA. Who knows what she's going to say? You know, and, that's part of what people want to hear, actually. We've seen this this story play out before. We we have, like, Justice Gableman, Mike Gableman, being invited to these dinners and, and still being treated as if he's somehow an expert on election law. And 
certainly all of the drama related to 2020, he, he has been essentially cast aside as, as a reliable source for anything related to an election, in my opinion, and maybe you disagree, maybe you don't. But now this is sort of the standard. When we look at politics 2024, I asked a guest this question the other day. What would it take to put a timestamp on this to say we've had enough as Republicans or conservatives? We're not going to put up with this. I said what it would take was a real butt whipping in the elect general election. Trump taking the being the, the subject of that butt whipping. Is that what it would take or is there something else that I'm missing here? So it's going to take more than that. It's also going to have to happen down ballot, unfortunately, as well. They're going to have to lose at at the local level much more than they actually have. Uh, There has to be some sort of backlash. And there also has to be, eventually, some Republicans act as the grown-ups in the room and say uh, enough is enough. And they're the ones that are going to have to address their constituents. And they're the ones that are going to have to be brave enough to do it. Instead, you know, Mike Gallagher announced that he's not running for re-election. He was the closest thing to an adult in the room. You'll notice that he is not on the speaker roster at this event because Mike Gallagher has been at times a heretic from the lunatic, what the lunatic fringe considers a heretic. So uh, he's not going to be speaking, but she is, and that just shows where the direction of the party base is right now. You know, you and I have talked about this before. At some point, if you start ticking off good, decent, honest Republicans, maybe I overuse the phrase, but you start taking them out of your voting loop, there's no chance to win any election going forward. I'm not sure why that's hard to understand for some people. No, we saw we saw a classic example of that down in Arizona where Carrie Lake ran for, for governor down there. Uh, she certainly ran as a mega candidate, and then she announced that she didn't need the support of John McCain-type Republicans. Well, the John McCain-type Republicans heard her and voted against her. A couple of years later, now, Carrie Lake's trying to run for U.S. Senate, and she's trying to make nice with the McCain family, and and uh, the daughter, Megan McCain, quite correctly, I think, told, told her basically to go to hell. Um, that is... That is what's going to end up happening. Is you're going to eventually drive out the, the, like you said, the decent Republicans. They're going to end up either not voting, or they're going to vote for the other side, and they're going to hold their noses and vote for Democrats because that they don't. It's not just a matter of voting for the crazies, but you don't want to be associated with the crazies. You don't want anybody to know that that you might even think that you belong to that group, right? And that's the social ostracization that will take place over time and eventually will correct the Republican Party. We've got a little time before the break. We're joined by James Wilkerson, political writer and writer about all things. Life Under Construction is his great work. We'll have James tell you how to find that in a little bit. Um, Quickly on Ron Johnson, you and I have both been critics of of the Senior Center for Wisconsin. He seems to have adopted the strategy of just going after conspiracy theories as part of his his job duties, and frankly, I'm, I'm trying hard to find anything else meaningful in, in his work product. Uh, are you seeing anything that I'm missing? No, he's definitely uh, out there on the fringe. He's appealing to uh, that wing of the Republican Party that believes in the conspiracy theories. And this has been going back for a while. He, when you think about it, Ron Johnson is even more of a fringe candidate than Donald Trump is. Ron Johnson is is out there right now. As we're speaking, he 
He's touting the benefits of still of ivermectin and alternative treatments for COVID that aren't recognized by the FDA. And he's, he's pounding that drum. <laughs> Donald Trump was the one that, that managed to pump all that federal money in into finding the vaccine that we use now to, to prevent COVID or at least mitigate the, the, the symptoms. And you would think that, that Ron Johnson would want to support what Donald Trump did, the one successful thing that Donald Trump did, and instead he's out there in la-la land. James Winters and my guests are going to take a quick break here on the Political Power Hour. After the break, an idea that makes sense, but one Republican in Wisconsin saying, no, I'm just not interested. We'll discuss that with our guest James Winterson after this. Continuing our conversation with writer James Winterson. James, how can people find your great work? Uh, they can find me at jameswigderson.com. Uh, there's actually a button right at the top if they want to subscribe to my newsletter that comes out every Monday and Thursday. Uh, they can also see me on TikTok and on Twitter, which where I'm most active, but I'm also active on other social media platforms as well. And I've been, I've, James was a guest on my old program, and, and I followed his work, and he's, he's one of the strongest political writers we have in the state of Wisconsin, so I always love our conversations. All right, so for a long time in Wisconsin, there's been this, this idea that Milwaukee does these big uh, ballot drops, not ballot, yeah, ballot drops at, after midnight in, in Milwaukee, and one of the ways that including subject of our, our last conversation, uh, you know, Senator Ron Johnson was to deal with that, was to actually allow them to count the, va- the uh, absentee ballots vote by mail early. It started to get a lot of endorsements. We saw, I think, Robin Voss signed on, David Lemahue from the Senate. But one individual, Dan Canodal, has said no. It makes no sense, James, and I'm trying hard to understand what Dan Canodal personally has against this idea, other than maybe some of the earlier conversation we had, it's all about protecting the, the conspiracy argument that we saw after 2020. I think there is a large part of that, that some people would rather have the dumps after midnight of, of, the, of the absentee ballot numbers because it fuels the conspiracy theories, which then turns out more of their voting base. Uh, they see it as something that helps drive Republicans to the polls even in the future elections because the last election was quote unquote stolen. Uh, we saw that actually in Wisconsin, it was, it wasn't just a 2020 election. There were a lot of Republicans that thought that the 2018 election was stolen because of a late night, uh, ballot dump by Milwaukee County. Well, Milwaukee County doesn't really have a choice. They've got so many absentee ballots and they count them when they can and they, and they announce the totals when they can. And what a lot of people miss is so do some of the other counties that are in Republican areas, but because they're much smaller, they don't have quite the impact. Uh, and the amazing thing is, is that in 2018, you had responsible Republicans stand up and say, hey, there wasn't a, any fraud in this. This is when Milwaukee finished counting their ballots. And then two years later in 2020, suddenly it was, oh, this is fraud, and it's, uh, Donald Trump is being robbed in Wisconsin, and that's why we have to have the recount and throw out all the absentee ballots in Milwaukee and Madison. Uh, it's, there's a simple solution to this. We could count the ballots the day before on Monday, the absentee ballots. Other states do it. Donald Trump's home state of Florida does it. 
and they do it successfully. There's not any problems with it. The biggest paranoid reason that has come out against counting the ballots early is that then you would know who hasn't voted and who has voted. But those things are kept secret until the day of the election, and therefore no party has an advantage. It's worked in Florida, and it can work here. Yeah, I mean, the Florida example is great. They were, they were a mess in 2000. They decided to take steps, utilize measures for accuracy, quick counts. And now, as, despite being one of the largest states in the country, they, they are actually known for having a very quick vote count, and they can announce their votes probably earlier than most. It's a clear example. I guess the frustration for me is you see much, so much um, difference on whoever you talk to in the Republican Party. Donald Trump saying, oh, there should be just vote on the, on the same day, known as early voting. And then the obvious inconsistency for Donald Trump is he actually voted by mail the last time. It doesn't even make sense within the person, let alone the party, James. Right, and I, I'm one of those people. I love going to the polls on Election Day and being with my fellow citizens. I get the camaraderie of it, and I really enjoy it. But I'm also one of those people that has taken over the last few years and the last few elections of voting by mail early because that way I know it's done and I, I've, I've taken care of it. And there's no reason in the world why somebody shouldn't want to do that. In fact, Republicans actually had an advantage in this because when you have senior citizens and people in rural areas voting by mail, they're actually getting their votes in and there's not a risk that bad weather or something may prevent them on voting on election day. This is a Republican advantage, but they've thrown it away in, in, in the hopes of stoking more paranoia and getting the base riled up against absentee ballots. I want to ask you about redistricting. We obviously had the, the court challenge. We, we had the legislature said, all right, we're going to give the governor what he wants. Governor Sinet had him on the show last week. He talked about that. He said he feels like these will be the maps that, that, that we use for the, the elections that are upcoming. Um, your sense of what all of this means going forward, will there be some sort of a uh, U.S. Supreme Court challenge? Where, where are you at on this? Well, I don't believe that right now there's going to be a Supreme Court challenge on this. My feeling on this is actually that the way it worked out, or the legislature and the governor worked it out, is the way it's supposed to work uh, once every 10 years. Notice I said once every 10 years is how we're supposed to do this. Right. Not every couple of years when somebody perceives that they have a partisan advantage in the balance of power in government. Uh, do, do we really want to go through this again if Brad Schimmel gets elected to the Wisconsin Supreme Court in 2025, and suddenly the balance shifts back to the Republicans in the Wisconsin Supreme Court, and they go, okay, now we're going to throw everything out, and we're going to do this all over again. Uh, really, is what we wanted is you want a consistent process where it's handled by the politicians, and you're asking them to, again, to be the adults in the room, and we have definite shortage of that on both sides right now. Uh, you want you want the governor and the legislature to do it because the legislature actually has the constitutionally mandated role in all this, not the Wisconsin Supreme Court. But instead, they've just punted it over to the courts and let the courts figure it out. And this is a mess that's uh, as a result. James Wigerson, always great to talk to you. How can folks find your great writing? JamesWigerson.com. All right, we'll talk again in a couple of weeks, my friend. All right, thanks for having me on, Steve. This is the Political Power Hour on WTMJ. Welcome to Political Power Hour on this Tuesday. This warm Tuesday. Dan Schaefer 
when he came in telling me how nice it is outside. It's on its way to 70 here in Milwaukee. So we'll take that, won't we, Dan? We'll take it. Not too bad. I'll take I'll take a 70 degree degree day in February Absolutely. in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I you know, not to get off on the weather thing, but it's like I th- I think it puts people in a better mood. Oh, absolutely. I think everybody, I, I see people like dressing like it's summer. I saw somebody wearing sandals yesterday. It's like, what are we doing here? It's, it's not winter. Yeah. Well, we're not fighting off the weather and we're not, not fighting off the elements. We can just be. It's yeah. it's one of those things in the Midwest after a, a long winter, you can just be yeah. for once in a while. Just exist. Yeah. Now, we are yeah. fighting about politics. <laughs> well, that's. <laughs> yeah. And that has that has not changed. And I would argue, I had my nice conversation with James Wigerson before this, that it, it seems to be getting worse. And we are, we'll even get to try to get to some of that stuff where what's the what's the solution to this? Where, where does compromise come back? Where does partisanship return? But I want to start with this one because James and I were talking about we had a we had a, a, a technical glitch and we lost James at the end of the interview. But um, Dan Canodal held up early counting of ballots. One person, because I and you can't blame it on Republicans because there's a heck of a lot of Republicans. Dan Schaefer, author of the Recombobulation Area, who wanted to see that happen, including U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. It didn't happen, or at least it doesn't seem like it's going to happen because their assembly's sort of done working. Yeah, let, let's go through this. How many? <laughs> how often do we have? The following people on the same side of yeah. an issue. We have Tony Evers, Robin Voss, Ron Johnson, the Milwaukee Common Council, bipartisan majorities in the state assembly, perhaps bipartisan majorities in the state senate. And yet, because of Dan Knodel, the chair of the elections committee in the state senate, and because of Devin Lemahue, the majority leader, the Republican majority leader in the state senate, this bill is going nowhere. And it is, it's just a, such a frustrating example of both the dysfunction that exists in the Wisconsin state legislature uh, and the, the calendar that they have you know, decided to adhere themselves to, where they basically stop legislating in like February or March of every year. Uh, the, the Assembly finished their session last week. The Senate finish, is going to finish their session, I believe, this week or next and it, we have 10 months to, to do there, you know, however, however many months until the election, we can make this change that ballot clerks have been asking for for years uh, that has bipartisan support. And yet, I, what is it that that is holding this up? I, you know, I saw in interviews uh, over the weekend on, on some of the Sunday shows and in, in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel talking about, you know, Dan Canodal saying that there's problems with this. Milwaukee just needs to get better. Like Milwaukee has a lot of ballots to count. And sometimes that takes a while. Milwaukee is a big city. Milwaukee is a much bigger city than any other municipality in the state. It's going to take a little bit longer. It's Why not maddening. make this change? Why not make this change? Look at Florida. They're- I used the example before. They had a mess in 2000. Absolute mess. And they said, you know what? We don't want to be the state that other people laugh at. So they did something about it. And, then, and by 10 years later, they had quantified their process. That's not the right word. They have clarified their process to the point where they're one of the first big states to report way before anyone else. And we had this opportunity, again, opportunity created by at least some Republicans saying, let's do this. And here we are, again, not happening. Now, to your point about the, the, the calendar, I've had this debate with Republicans away from the show. Well, we have to focus then on the, the election period. There's no rule you can separate those two things. I understand there's election campaign stuff, and there's the real work that you're you're supposed to be doing. You've created this this idea that everything stops. It's that, an arbitrary deadline. Yes, they've created this this yeah. reality that doesn't exist except to them. That's insane. Yeah, and it seems like the only reason to continue that they continue to do this is to say, well, this is the way we've always done it. 
And, which, and, and that oh. is always uh, a recipe for disaster when that is your reason for this. And, and this is the thing. Like, I understand that the, the job of a legislator is not just being in a floor session and it's not just writing the bills. You got to go back and meet your meet with your constituents. It's it's campaigning for reelection. It's all these different things. But it's February. <laughs> it's February. Look, We've got 10 months of the year left. You know, if, if there's going to be, you know, a couple month recess to, to go meet with your constituents. You know, we had, I think, back to back extended, you know, like 10 hour floor sessions in the assembly last week so that they could finish their session. Robin Voss gave this goodbye speech saying, oh, we might not see some of you uh, back in session next year. It's February. This is an arbitrary deadline that they've set for themselves. There is there is legislating still to be done. We come back in the summer. You could come back in June. There still gives you two months before the primary uh, to do any campaigning that you might need to do. I mean, come on. It's just a ridiculous thing. It's going to be interesting. And it's see gotten it. worse under Republican rule. I wrote a, 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 a piece about this a couple of years ago. When Democrats wanted to continue working, ironically, I published that piece on the day of the shutdown uh, in 2020. And I, again, ironically, they became the uh, the uh, least active full time legislature in the nation in 2020. I guess they're looking to be, do- be doing that again in 2024. It's one of these excuses that it's sort of cooked in now, baked in that that okay, so Milwaukee doesn't go our way. There's all these votes that change or shift the the results sort of towards the end of the counting period. Oh, there has to be a, some sort of a, a you know a conspiracy, and that hanging on to this stuff is going to doom the current version of the Republican Party in this state. And I, I've had lots of conversations on the show and away from the show. At some point, sanity must return. And if we if we're going to embrace crazy, including the Marjorie Taylor Greens, which we'll probably get to in a little bit, um, and the Dan, you know, the Mike Gableman still you know cruising around as somehow subject matter experts, I could care less that you were a Supreme Court justice. On the issue of election integrity, you are complete and utter fool. And anybody listens to you, they should adopt that same label. Well, I think this is this is not the only example of Senate Republicans choosing inaction and conspiracy theories over getting something done. Take a look at the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Devin Lemahieu appointed Bob Spindell to the Wisconsin Elections Commission after he was a fake elector. So not only do we have the situation where they're, you know, fanning the flames of conspiracy with this ballot measure and refusing to take action with, you know, months and months to go before the election. You know, there was also a, it kind of got lost in the shuffle because of all the redistricting news last week. But there was a rally last week in Milwaukee. A number of groups came together to call on Bob Spindell to resign uh, from the Wisconsin Elections Commission. He, he made some pretty incendiary uh, comments about about uh, about his role there as well. So and and he is somebody that you know does not uh, uh, literally try to overturn uh, the election results in 2020. So it's it's the rot runs deep in the Republican Party with these election conspiracies. And it's it's and maddening it's, to me that yeah. it's not all Republicans. It's a few of them that are, seem to be corrupting the process so that we can't get honest, decent counting and elections. At least the perception. I know that they're they're fairly counted because I trust clerks in this state. They do a great mm-hmm. job, fantastic job. But that perception is just so infuriating. Dan Schaefer's my guest, Recombobulation Area. Where do folks find that? You can find it at the recombobulationarea.news. You can find it at the Recombobulation Area on Substack. Find me on Twitter at Dan R. Schaefer. We've got a race. Hub the in Baldwin ready. Some early polling suggests Baldwin's got about a 7% lead right now, which most most candidates would take. But all of a sudden, that's a talking point for Republicans. We'll have that conversation, continued conversation, with Dan Schaefer after this. 
Dan Schaefer, my guest. We've got another break to take, so I want to get to this Hovde Baldwin race. Uh, polling suggests right now that uh, Tammy Baldwin, junior senator, incumbent senator, has uh, about a 7% lead. In most race, in most states, in most races, that would be considered pretty good. Now there's a uh, Republican talking point that I saw this morning. It's like, she's vulnerable. Hovde just got in, and now she's only 7%. Up. That's still a pretty good margin, Dan Schaefer. Yeah, that is a pretty good margin. It's just, you know, in Wisconsin where every race is a toss-up, anything that's like outside the margin of error is is a pretty significant lead, I would say. Yeah, there was a poll from, I believe, Emerson College uh, this morning. It showed that Biden trailed Trump by 3%, but Baldwin was ahead of Hovde by 7%. So I think that is, uh, I think that's pretty interesting. I think, you know, Hovde kind of, I think the, his launch was a little bit lackluster last week. Uh, you know, he he also made some uh, false comments uh, about Milwaukee on an, some other programs. What were the comments? Because I, I didn't see those. Well, he he had something on on Twitter about saying that oh, you know, we need to get way of it. It's the same type of ripping Milwaukee type of policies. He's like, oh, I met with people. They're concerned about crime. Uh, we need to stop defunding the police and blah, blah, blah. So there was a little bit of back and forth about that because Milwaukee, of course, did not defund the police. Crime is down in Milwaukee from last year. Uh, the mayor got into a, li- a little bit uh, saying that, like, hey, that, you know, I don't know what they do in California, but here in, here in Wisconsin, uh, you know, this here in Milwaukee, this, is, this isn't what happened. So, um, I, you know, I kind of appreciate that from from Mayor Johnson pushing back on these uh, false, uh, unfounded claims about Milwaukee. That's something we didn't exactly here in the past. I like seeing Milwaukee leaders stand up for the city. Yeah. Because there are so often, you know, we talked about the election stuff. Uh, There's so often people, you know, create these unfounded conspiracies uh, about Milwaukee. And I think it's I think it's good when local leaders push back on that. Look, anytime that someone's saying something that's not true, I don't care if you're a radio host, if you're an elected official, if you're a member of the public, you should push back against it. Milwaukee is the driver of the state's economy. I know some people don't want to hear that. It's 70% of the state's economy. And let's be honest, one of the reasons we need that rescue from the legislature and the governor is the fact that we send all that money out to the states, and they don't send our money back. Exactly. And they send it to other places, and frankly, I don't know that they're spending it any more wisely than Milwaukee is, and that's not a slam on Milwaukee. It's just budgets are tough. And when I see these things from elected officials, I'm I'm braced. Maybe this is a a naive, wishful thinking uh, point, but... I'm looking for the day where people actually talk about real policy. And I'm encouraged by the fact that we're going to have some new maps that make races more competitive and makes elected officials or candidates for office start speaking to policy and real issues instead of all the BS that happens now, whether that's social media, whether that's radio, whether that's TV. And frankly, if you're a radio station and all you put is one side of the political argument on, why are you wasting our time? Seriously, why are you wasting our time? A one-sided conversation is a speech. It's not a. It's not a discourse. That's my editorial. Well, I, I always appreciate our conversations <laughs> on here, Steve. And one more, one more point on on Milwaukee too. Like, okay, so Hufty is running in a statewide campaign, right? Why is it okay for Republicans to always come in in these statewide campaigns? We saw Ron Johnson do this quite a bit. Uh, in his twenty two in his reelection campaign a couple of years ago, why is it okay if, if a candidate just comes in and bashes and lies about the state's largest city? 
Like you would, you don't see, you know, Tammy Baldwin or Tony Evers saying going into a rural community and talking about how terrible it is. Right. Why is it okay when when Republicans do it about Milwaukee? I think we, you know, Hufty men- made m- mention in you know some of his initial speeches and messaging and all that of wanting to come together, but that he turns right around and bashes Milwaukee using false uh, allegations. It's it's absurd, and I think. I think there is a bit of a double standard there, and I think we have to examine that a little bit. Dan Schaefer, my guest, the Recombobulation Area is his great writing and great work. How do folks find it? You can find it at therecombobulationarea.news. You can subscribe to get the Recombobulation in your inbox. You can become a free subscriber or become a paid subscriber to uh, to help support our independent media project. You can start get started just five bucks a month. Another quick break. We'll wrap up our conversation with Dan Schaefer and uh, we'll lead into the news at the top after this. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI HD2 Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Got about a minute left with our guest, Dan Schaefer. He writes fabulously for the uh, recombobulation area. All right, so um, some BRT news. Yeah, Steve, you know I love a good uh, you know I love a good transit project. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've not got, everybody does. Not Stan. everybody does, but I, you know I love a good transit project, and I, I especially love the bus rapid transit projects that we're starting to see in Milwaukee County. We had the first one, the East West Connect, uh, launched last year. That is exceeding expectations thus far. Today we have the first uh, public meeting for the North South BRT that's being proposed for Milwaukee County. That BRT is uh, the plan. The route for that is to go from Bayshore Mall all the way to Ikea and Oak Creek. That's a place you're familiar with, I'm Steve, very right? familiar with as part of that process. So um, what's the timeline quickly? Uh, they're having public meetings uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday. Uh, you can get into it uh, in the south side virtually or uh, at Century City on, on Thursday. Dan Schaefer, Recombobulation Area, will reconvene next Tuesday. The news is next on WTMJ.